Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use your promo code DNVR25. You'll get 25% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich and potentially life altering Strava Craft Coffee. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me, as always, is beat writer Patrick Lyons. And joining us, as has become our weekly custom, is the voice of the Colorado Rockies on ATT Sportsnet and the host of the Drew Goodman podcast. It's Drew Goodman coming to us from someplace absolutely beautiful. Look at the sky and the green behind you. Living the dream. Called the 19th hole, Drew. I yeah. think that's what it's called. Is that, is that what we call this? The 19th hole? <laughs> yeah, I'll take it. I'll take it. Beautiful. Yeah. Good views. So, uh, of course, we've got a big series here coming up. I don't know if you all have heard, but St. Louis Cardinals coming to town. Uh, their third baseman used to play for the Rockies. So we'll talk a little bit about all of that stuff. Uh, but before we do goody, so close to it, obviously, we broke it down in, in a lot of details. But I just wanted to get your take on Armen Marquez, the dance with destiny coming one dinky little hit away from being the first Rockies pitcher to throw a no-hitter at Coors Field. Uh, and really just what that moment felt like and, and was like to be a part of it this moment in time. Well, it was, uh, I guess, a, a lot of things. It, it was a blast. It was something I believe we will see again. And I think he'll complete it. I really do. I mean, he's now... I don't know what the number is. He's taken no hitters into the sixth inning, which is, you know, that always gets your radar up, right? You get through the fifth, you know, your radar goes up. And he's done that now, you know, on several occasions. And he has the stuff. I mean, there there are a lot of guys, as, as nobody would know better than you two, uh, that have thrown no hitters that, you know, were more or less kind of journeymen and the planets aligned and, you know, a lot of atom balls and they, and they had their day in the sun, if you will. And then there's guys on that list that have stuff where you go, whoa, you know, yeah, that guy um, has the stuff when things are right to throw a no hitter on any given uh, afternoon or evening. And, you know, Herman falls into that grouping because he has such a devastating slider. He's got easy cheese, you know, at 97, 98 miles an hour. Uh, so we'll see that again. I really thought, uh, maybe like all of you, that he was going to get it done when when Trevor made that remarkable catch off of Jacob yeah. Stallings in the eighth. He felt like it was destiny. And so when it got to the ninth and he hung that curveball and a kid who's hitting 131, uh, Kuai Tom hits hits a, a clean line drive to right. It was you know there was no you know there, there was nothing about it that suggested boy that was iffy. Um, you know it was kind of like a big letdown. It's a big letdown certainly for him, certainly for his teammates, but you know for all fans and and, and from a broadcaster standpoint, you were like bummed, man. He was so close. You know how difficult it is uh, to even arrive anywhere close to the ninth inning uh, with a no hitter. But it was a remarkable performance. And then you couple it with what he's done recently, um, you know, perfect for uh, into the sixth inning in Seattle, four hits over three starts. Are you kidding me? I mean, that, that's otherworldly stuff. We talked about this 
exact thing happening. I think it was either last week or the week before that about Marquez and his no hit stuff and, and how unique it is to this organization and how, you know, he should be able to get one. And now after seeing what we did Tuesday night, you know, he will get one. You just kind of hope that uh, much like with, with Tom Seaver and Laron Lee, and now you've got Kai Tom that when Marquez does get it done, you know, it, it is with the Rockies and, and, and not an, another organization because he's just been incredibly lights out. And he's got another start still coming up on Sunday at Coors Field. I don't think it really matters, but Goody, do you think his stuff plays better at Coors Field? Is that possible than, than on the road? Or it doesn't really matter what ballpark he's in. He's, well, he's got a solid chance to, to throw a no-hitter. Well, I think it matters what ballpark he's in. That, that's the thing that made it potentially even more remarkable. We've seen one no-hitter, as everybody knows who follows the Rockies. Is, he was 96 in Hideo Nomo pre-Humidor, which, I mean, it's still amazing that he was able yeah. to throw a no-hitter in, in the you know the Blake Street Bombers in 96. So, uh, But it, it does make a difference. I mean, if you throw one at Dodger Stadium, it's still crazy good. Petco, crazy good. Uh, San Francisco, crazy, amazing, right? But to throw one at Coors Field where, you know, every every ball off the bat has a better than most places chances of, of falling because of how cavernous the outfield is. Um, yeah, I, but to, I don't understand. I can't explain. I get this question all the time. I'm sure you guys do as well. You know, why is the Rockies starting rotation so good at home and, and they were good on this last road trip, um, but yeah. why they've been so much better at home than on the road, it doesn't make a lot of sense. No, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Though, as a group, and I think this is the best group of starters the Rockies have ever had, they embrace pitching at Coors Field. They truly enjoy pitching at Coors Field. They don't look at it as a disadvantage. I've had enough conversations, as I'm sure you guys have as well, with the Freelands and the Grays and the Hermans of the world that, no, they don't, they're not intimidated at all. And the numbers support what they're saying and what we're kind of regurgitating of what they're saying. Yeah, you know, you bring that up, and I'm, I'm working on this article right now, and I, I want to get your take on this because when we were having this conversation yesterday about how do you measure, you know, what are the elements of a, a start that are the most important to you if you're talking about the greatest starting pitching performances in the history of the Colorado Rockies? And however you group those things together, the ones that I'm taking a look at, you've got two now from Marquez, what he just did, what he did in San Francisco in 2019. You've got Kyle Freeland taking a no-hitter into the ninth at Coors Field against the White Sox a few years ago. You've got John Gray with his 19 uh, or 16, excuse me, strikeouts at Coors Field against the Padres. And then obviously Ubaldo Jimenez actually throwing the only no hitter. And all those games have these kind of drastically uh, different elements to them. But to your point, to what you were just saying, and to what we've been saying going back to the offseason, that this is the best group of starting pitchers the Colorado Rockies have ever had. Three of those guys we're talking about all on the team right now and still in their like mid 20s. Like, uh, so you know, when you're looking at the greatest pitching performances in Rockies history, but to that question, you know, do you need to see if it's a 12 or 13 strikeout no hitter? Is that more impressive to you than say, uh, you know, you get five strikeouts, but it's a perfect game? You know, those kinds of things, efficiency. Uh, Marquez had the 92 pitches, right? The Greg Maddox complete game shutout 
in under 100 pitches. Uh, we know Ubaldo threw the no-hitter, but lots of traffic, walked like six guys, guys getting on second base. He was in trouble at times. Marquez, never in trouble. Uh, so which of those things do you prioritize, do you think, make for the greatest pitching performances? Well, you guys are familiar with the with game score the yeah. Bill James came up with, where um, you know I have it. I don't have it in front of me, but you know you get uh, you know positives for innings pitch naturally. Um, you, you know you get a demerit for for runs, even for unearned runs for hits. Uh, you get uh, pluses for strikeouts. You know for not walking guys, all of those things. So from a game score standpoint. I know two of the top five game scores all time in Rockies history are owned by Herman. Yeah. The greatest game score was the 16 strikeout performance, John Gray's game against the Padres a few years um, back. Uh, I, I think there's when you punch out a lot of guys and don't give up many hits and maybe throw a complete game shutout, it really jumps off the page at you because it, it, it screams dominance. It's not like, okay, he struck out, you know, a half dozen. The ball was in play, and, um, you know, fortunately it was hit, hit at fielders and that sort of thing. But with, with Herman, um, even on the days where he doesn't strike out an abundance of guys, the balls in play are, are typically mishit ground balls. They're jam shots. I mean, uh, if you're able to watch the game and not just view the box score, the raw numbers – you can see dominance even if it doesn't um, include an inordinate number of strikeouts. Yeah, yeah you, you talked about that a little bit as, as you opened uh, this week's episode of the Drew Goodman podcast with Brendan Rogers. And, you know, one thing that, that you mentioned on that, on the topic of starting pitching is, uh, and this is something that uh, Drew Creaseman has has said here, is – the possibility of John Gray even re-signing and, and keeping this core group of pitchers together, the greatest that the, the franchise has ever, you know, brought together. And, and John obviously loves Denver. And I, I think he really feels Colorado is his, his home. Do you think there's a chance that, um, you know, bring, bringing him back in particular could create somewhat of a log jam in the starting rotation? And is that necessarily a, a bad thing when you've got a lot of young talented arms coming up in the system like the Rawlson, Oliveras, and whatnot? Well, I don't think that, first of all, I, I do subscribe to that notion. You can never have too much starting pitching. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, look at the Dodgers. <laughs> I mean, you can never have too much starting pitching. Um, and I wouldn't, uh, you know, I would question whether, respectfully, whether the Rockies have a log jam. I mean, Freeland, the last two starts, has looked like the Kyle Freeland of 2018. It's been awesome to see. Herman is a horse, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Austin Gomber's been, I don't want to call it a revelation because he really, uh, you know, he, he got his feet wet with St. Louis, 14 games. I think there were six starts, and he had the 186 uh, earned run average in the truncated season of last year. But you, you've seen clearly that, you know, this guy can be a solid middle-of-the-rotation guy. Uh, you know, John Gray over a number of years has, has done really nice things by and large in a Rockies uniform. You know, Sensatella, you know, really solid kind of back end of the rotation guy. But beyond that, I mean, you know, I hope Ryan Rollison comes up and, and can, you know, be, a, you know, a really good, obviously, a really good Rocky starting pitcher. Um, 
Oliveris is a long way off. I was looking at his numbers the other day. You know, he, he walks a lot of guys. He's Right now, he's a young kid with a big arm uh, in the low minor leagues. There's not an abundance of starting – I mean, they were raving about Ryan Castellani, you know, a year ago. Or speaking highly, I should say – I don't want to say raving, but speaking highly of Ryan Castellani, who was a fairly high draft pick, and, and he was DFA'd a few days ago. So the Rockies – you know, it's it's not like there's a long list of, of guys. They do have, to your point, Drew, this really strong nucleus that knock on wood, even though that's not wood, I'm pretending. I was going to say. <laughs> stayed healthy in an industry where, you know, I've said this many times, there's three guarantees in life, death, taxes, and pitchers get hurt. Yeah. And, and their group has stayed together. They're in different areas of their prime. They're still a very young group. Um, and that's why I know Patrick was kind of alluding to this. I, I had this thought on the podcast this week that, you know, maybe you don't do the full-fledged, uh, you know, full-fledged, I should say, strip down and, and you trade everybody that you can get something for. And maybe you start building around what we've all discussed many times and you guys have on your show numerous times. The the fact that the strength of this organization right now at the major league level is is that rotation. So maybe, you know, you you, you got to build up the farm system again. And, and maybe it's done through the, you know, smaller deals, Michael Gibbons, CJ Crone, that ilk of deal. And John Gray's a different kid, man. He and I mean that positively. Yeah, he really loves pitching here, and he loves being a Rocky. And maybe it's not about knowing John a little bit. It's not about breaking the bank. And maybe um, you can you can keep John in the mix, and and build around that group, and then go out and sign. You know, even if they were to lose Trevor, trade Trevor, um, but then sign you know some other guys, position player wise, to augment that rotation because if you finally get offensively where you want and need to be what if that group of pitchers no longer is is in their prime you know what i mean it's it's always about baseball symmetry right you gotta you gotta be pretty good in all the facets to have a content legitimate contending team and it's easier to buy that facet uh, on the offensive side, then the pitching side, right? Like, like those that homegrown talent is huge. And the Rockies have that money to spend. So they can very easily do something like that. And so, yeah, you, you go out and you want to keep John Gray. It's not going to cost you a ton, but you who else are you going to be spending uh, that money on? Because the payrolls is, has been going down uh, a lot and, and they've got a lot of freedom there. Yeah. I mean, a, a couple thoughts on that, Patrick, and, and think about this. Um, the sport will always be about pitching. Always, 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 always. It will always be about pitching. I mean, the greatest offensive player in the game the last, whatever it is, seven, eight years is Mike Trout. Mike Trout hasn't sniffed the postseason, right? Barely. Um, they have – I know he's hurt right now, and they, they'll get him back after the All-Star break. They have him in concert with Shohei Otani, who's just a revelation, right? What yeah. a marvelous – talent he's babe ruth but allowing babe ruth to do both i guess right they still don't win they still don't win here here's something neat i don't know if you guys are aware of this nolan rolls into town today 
And I don't take what I'm about to say the wrong way. I wish Nolan Arenado was playing third base for the Colorado Rockies and and has an 18-year career and just like Todd Helton, never departed um, and, and it wasn't for however it came about, it didn't have to be. I wish 28 was a Rocky, right? Yeah. So I'm not suggesting otherwise. That's my preamble to what I'm about to say. Nolan has 16 home runs and 52 RBIs this year. He's hitting in the 260s. It's had a really, you know, it's a really solid, especially by today's standards, really solid first half, kind of Nolan-esque, if you will. The Rockies' third baseman, which has mainly been Joshua Fuentes and Ryan McMahon, 16 home runs, 51 RBIs. Isn't that interesting? That's funny. Life is, uh, especially baseball life, is hilarious. That is, yeah. And again, I'm not sitting here going, oh, they don't, you know, wouldn't they wouldn't be, you know, better off with Nolan? Of course, your, your team is always better off with with great players. But do they impact the one loss column as much as we think they do? Yeah, uh, especially to to your overall point, position players who get four at-bats a game, and maybe the ball is hit their direction. If you're lucky, the ball is hit in Nolan's direction because he's probably going to feel it, make a nice play. Drew, that's why, why again, being very respectful of Jason Hayward, who who helped the Cubs win a championship, maybe the greatest thing he did was that rain speech in the locker room during the delay, right? Jason Hayward signed, I believe, for like $186 million with the Cubs. He had a solid year with the Cardinals offensively. And, and the big selling point was he's the greatest right fielder in the sport. And I'm scratching my head. I'm going, okay, let me look at some metrics here. On average, he got 1.7 plays a game. 1.7 baseballs came in his direction during an evening. Right. Is he like five? So let's extrapolate it. It's a busy week. They played seven games. I'll even give him two a night. Right. So that's 14 times he's involved defensively in a busy week. Was he going over the wall and robbing a three run home <laughs> run, time. you know, eight of those 14 times? Come on. Right. That's crazy. Meanwhile, the guy on the bump is trying to get to 90 pitches at least. And that's less than, you know, it's people from an earlier generation rant and rave. They're only throwing 90. Why can't these guys go over 100? But wherever you're at on that, that's 90 opportunities to make a mistake that loses your team the baseball game. Right. What, what's been crazy, fellas, is the Rockies, the last eight games, their rotation has pitched to a 129 earned run average. 129. That's crazy good. Yeah. The Rockies' record is four and four. Yeah. Takes me back to I'm, I'm on my soapbox now. Get <laughs> going, keep back, it going. Right? It takes me back to the my comment um, with you guys and on the on the on my own podcast about baseball symmetry. The Rockies are four and four, despite the fact that their rotation has been otherworldly good the last eight days because the bullpen. Um, on the road faltered if the if the bullpen was just decent on the road the rockies probably are sitting here six and two over those last eight games and it supports the notion um and and the historical empirical evidence and that yes starters are the most important 
players on your team. I like our guy Capwise also pointing out too that the Herman Marquez game came after the sticky stuff ruling. Love that. It's it is nice that it's like yeah. And, and another and I'm not saying this to defend to defend you know Rockies pitchers, but they were never in that high spin rate group. Yeah. And I'm not. I don't know what they did or didn't do. I assume the whole thing was widespread. Um, it seems to have impacted at least in terms of a reduction in spin rate. The greatest reduction in spin rate in the sport lies with the Dodgers um, since they've um, kind of cracked down. Yeah. Um, and it, but listen, I, I'd still want Clayton Kershaw and that group toe in the rubber for my team, whether they're using sticky stuff or not. Yeah. To your point that uh, 1.29 ERA in the last eight days, best in the national league and in the game, San Francisco is the next closest 2.61. So a full run better than the second best. So, they, but, it should, but the record should be Patrick, right? It's got to be better than yeah. four and four yeah. during that period of time. Yeah. But, but it also goes back in the bigger picture. You know, again, we were talking about, hey, what should the, if, if we were front office executives, if we were in the baseball operations side for the Rockies, how do we game plan to get back to contention while trying to, you know, stockpile um, more, more players, future Rockies in the farm system? And I'm not so sure. I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't strip it all down and say, listen, we have, a really nice grouping of starting pitchers, one that you could see in a postseason and be competitive in a postseason, as as we've seen in seventeen and eighteen, right? So, build around. I, I would I would build around that. Yeah. Right now, I, I'm with you there. That's kind of been my my thinking for a while, particularly because of the age of these pitchers and and the difficulty of building a staff like that in Colorado and and keeping them around. As as we've talked about, you can't buy that pitching staff, you know, the uh, people like to point out the Chicago Cubs and, and the kind of tear down and rebuild that they did. People forget that at the end of growing all these extraordinary position players as a part of that great rebuild, they also went out and spent huge money to buy John Lester and guys like that in free agency. It's like, are the Rockies going to be able to uh, buy pitching to make the whole thing come together? I don't think so. I think you can do the same thing, but backwards, you know, just with the pitching, these guys that are here, and then, you know, try to go out and find the hitting. But it's going to be fascinating to watch uh, because they're, like I said, it, it's backwards. The Rockies haven't really been in this position before where they're like, yeah, we're building around our already established, really quality starting pitching. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it is different. And it's, and it's yeah. backwards from what we've been taught uh, has to take place at Coors Field and what typically has taken place. But we, but, you know, to your point, they're not going to go out – the, the pitchers that will come to Coors Field, you have to either dramatically overpay them, which, as we know, hasn't typically worked, or you're getting somebody who you're keeping your fingers crossed can bounce back and virtually no one else will give them an opportunity. And so you throw some, you know, dollars at them and they resurrect their career. And it's happened a couple of times. I mean, Jason Marquis came here, Sean Estes came here, and both of those guys ended up having, you know, really good seasons uh, with the Rockies. But I think that's more, uh, you know, a, a more rare type of occurrence than a way to go about your everyday business um, in building uh, a 26-man roster now. 
All right, we got to get into this upcoming series. Of course, we'll have plenty more time to talk about all that stuff. Love getting into the the future debate. Like you said, uh, imagining ourselves sitting in the front office. And then, of course, doing all of that and remembering at the end, there's reasons why none of us are working in front of us. It's a tough right? job, and, and we all love commenting on it, of course. But, uh, uh, of course, one of the things I love commenting on is the delicious list. Delicious list? Deliciousness of illegal peats. Uh, I don't need to sell you on illegal peats. You know all about them. You just got to go down and get some. Uh, whether you're down there in the ballpark area, there's one nearby. Maybe you're out at the DNVR bar watching the ball game. Either way, there's an illegal peats right next to you. And if you've been out to an event, they're really trying to help promote everybody getting back out into Denver. So if it's the ball game you've been to, a, a concert, a comedy show, whatever, show them the ticket to your event on your phone. If you don't have a physical ticket, whatever, they'll hook you up with a free draft beer or house margarita with the purchase of an adult Andre. Uh, do check them out. Absolutely love Illegal Pete's. I mean, everybody does. You know them. You love them. You dig on them. And you can eat Illegal Pete's while you're on your DraftKings Sportsbook app. I highly recommend doing that. Doing a little, little eating, a little betting, get back over, following the advice of Patrick Lyons, taking the over on the Rockies, not just to win that game, but by three. He gave you extra special odds on that one, boosted your profits there. So you got to be following along with all that. Follow our DNVR Bets program. You know you're watching all that baseball out there. If you're still watching basketball and uh, hockey, well, particularly the basketball, they'll hook you up with a great promo right now. But really, it's just one of many, many promos that DraftKings is constantly throwing your ways. And, and by promo, what I mean is they give you free money to bet on whatever you want semi-regularly. And it's super fun, low-stakes betting that just takes a, a lot of fun uh, addition into the sports watching experience. And sometimes you can end up hitting it big with some of those long odd shots. Uh, and if you want to make it higher stakes, obviously that's up to you. I'm just at low stakes is the way that I go. Download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits just by betting on the basketball team of your choice to win the next game. If you do, you will claim $100 in free credits. Promo code DNVR for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Hey, and one more for you. I'm sure if y'all have been following along on Twitter, you've noticed we've got a new partner and we could not be more excited to be partnered up with Ball. Yes, that Ball. You know, Ball Arena, Ball Engineering, one of the best, greatest companies in Colorado, one of the most famous out there doing all kinds of fantastic things for the environment, making sustainable material. 75% of all the aluminum that has ever been produced on the face of the planet earth still in use and these guys at the top of the line engineering all of that stuff uh taking care uh, of the planet getting you top of the line aluminum products uh and again in a sustainable way they're making 8 12 16 ounce can sizes for all kinds of liquids doing fantastic work out there but you know what else is super cool super fun and great i actually know personally about this it's a great place to work and they're Hiring. It's one of the best places in Colorado, other than maybe DNVR, where you could find a place to work. Uh, and some people might even argue it's better. I've had family members that have worked there for a very, very long time. I should say extended family. Uh, but it's right here in Golden. You can check them out at hashtag 
Uh, you can go to work at ball online and apply for a position at their aluminum can plant. Text GOLDEN to 77222 or go to jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. That's jobs.ball.com and search for GOLDEN. Or again, you can simply text GOLDEN to 77222. I highly, highly recommend anyone out there looking for a new line of work, wants to work for a company you can feel damn proud to work for, doing all kinds of fantastic, awesome stuff. You can lead and learn in your own space. Uh, it, ball has been unstoppable, man. They've, they've partnered up with Nuggets and the Avalanche, Ball Arena, all that stuff, fantastic stuff. It, it's just the next stage right here at DNVR. Uh, check them out. Get involved again if you're looking for a job. Uh, but we could not be more excited to now be teamed up with our friends at Ball. All right, Goody. So we, we kind of touched on it a little bit in there, but obviously Nolan Arenado coming back to town, a four-game set with the St. Louis Cardinals. Both of these teams in kind of an interesting spot. We were, we were talking about it yesterday. Well, the Cardinals have a, a better record than the Rockies and you know could very well easily turn their season around and do whatever. They're a team that's really frustrated and upset right now and sitting in fourth place and not who they should be. Meanwhile, the Rockies are kind of this fun-loving team who's awesome at home. They they all seem to really enjoy playing together. And, you know, then you add all of this Nolan stuff on top of it. I think there's going to be a lot of interesting energy flying around the next four days. What are you most looking forward to? What are you kind of expecting to see over these next four games? You know, it's funny. I think what I'm looking forward to most is – there's going to be great energy in the ballpark. There was great energy there on Monday, certainly great energy Tuesday with with what nearly took place, as we were discussing earlier. Um, uh, as difficult as it is for all of us to explain, the Rockies are a good team at home. They're, they're 28 and 16. They're fun to watch at home. They string together hits. They pitch, as, again, as we were discussing, exceptionally well. So I'm looking forward to them because I know those guys, you know, they're geeked up to face Nolan and to face the Cardinals, a tradition-rich team. And I, I know a team that's, you know, record-wise not where they want to be right now, but it's kind of another measuring stick. And um, so it goes beyond just, yeah, Nolan being back because, you know, when he steps to the plate, for the first time tonight, you know, that'll be a moment that, you know, you remember and, and, and so forth. But after that, you know, he's probably going to have another, you know, 12, 14 to, you know, if he plays every game, 16, 17 at bats, 18 at bats, whatever it is, plate appearances. And, and the series goes on. And I, I, I look forward to hopefully the Rockies continuing uh, to play well and to pitch well, number one at, at home. So, uh, you know, not, not that it's a sidebar story, Nolan, it's, it's, it's the top of the marquee tonight, but you know what? By tomorrow or Saturday, okay, we've seen him, and he's in the red uniform, and okay, he's playing at Coors Field, and he went one for four his first ball game and whatever, whatever, but now it becomes just another series. Yeah, it is interesting that the Rockies are kind of on this upswing, especially at home playing so well. And, and you know, the last two, I think, road trips have gone a little bit better than than the record has shown, or at least previous road trips have got. So they're kind of on the on the come up. And then you've got the Cardinals kind of on the way down a little bit. They did win three in a row, uh, but that was against the Diamondbacks, who can't buy a win on the road. And so it, it is just so interesting. And it's typical of baseball how you have this team expected to be at the, the bottom of the NL West, 
against a team expected to be at the top of the NL Central, and yet in many ways they're they're right in the exact same spots. It's it's a it's a type of narrative. It's it's stranger than fiction, you know. And that's that's the beauty that we love about baseball so much. You you just you don't know. We all want to prognosticate. I think we all naturally when we do prognosticate we're influenced heavily by names we are familiar with um even prospect names we're familiar with oh this team's going to be good because they have five names that are of star status and they have two guys coming up that the industry believes are going to be impactful therefore they're really good yet it doesn't always play out that way in fact oftentimes it plays out significantly differently um so again this is this is going to be an interesting series all attention will be on 28. Um, i have a question for you guys what kind of reaction do you expect when nolan strides to the plate at some time around you know 6 45 this evening i think it will be a majority of, of cheers. I think, you know, the, the Rockies, I think are, uh, are assisting in that, uh, not through any nefarious means, but they're saying, look, this guy was a huge part of our organization. They're going to have the video package going uh, on the screen. And, you know, if there are any people that were kind of on the fence about what they would do and, you know, if they were maybe still a little upset, but they also remembered some good times, they're going to see that video and go, damn, man, that, that guy was great. I'm so glad he got to wear the purple pinstripes and he was a part of my favorite team growing up and I, and I got to see him and, and yeah, you know what, he's back for the first time. And so let me kind of honor him in that way. So I think we'll see, you know, a good majority of, of cheers more than anything. And it, and it may even be hard to hear some booze. I mean, I think there will be some there, but I think they will pretty much be drowned out by uh, all the, all the people kind of recognizing Nolan's greatness over, over everything. Yeah, I'm I'm very curious about this. I've been I've been giving this a lot of thought actually. It's been kind of a conversation in my orbit for a while because I there are definitely going to be people there who are booing, but Patrick's right. Are they, are they going to get drowned out? I'm inclined to say mostly um you, you may be able to hear a smattering of them. One of the things that I think we forget in, in all the conversations of breaking down exactly what he said and exactly what he did and what was reported and how much did he really want out is like we forget that sports at their very base level are tribal and that there are plenty of people who don't really care that much beyond I'm ride or die Colorado Rockies fan for life and you're on the other team now. So, you know, so I think sometimes it really is okay that it's just as simple as that for some people. And and there I know there are people who've, you know, messaged me particularly and said, I really didn't like his comments about the curtain call thing. And I didn't like that he was sending video to Adam Wainwright. It didn't feel like his heart was in it. And I'm going to, I'm going to boo Nolan. And I think that's a perfectly, you know, valid fan reaction to someone you feel like didn't want to be on your team. Uh on the flip side, I think it's a perfectly valid fan reaction. If you just go, oh, my God, I love Nolan Arenado. I've always loved Nolan Arenado. He can do no wrong. I will cheer my lungs out for him 100%. I don't, I don't think either one of those are invalid. But I do wonder to what extent. I think it will be a comment on more than anything to what extent those narratives caught on with fans 
or didn't. You know what I mean? Like, because I think there's going to be a lot of people who are there who just don't know any of the real details, didn't dive into the reporting about who said what, who did what, and they're just going to react. But I'm very, very curious. I think, um, you know, I think, Patrick, you're not, you know, Drew, uh, I I agree with both of you. I I, I think that it's going to be, you know, steal a percentage. You know, I think it'll be 90% plus people, rightfully so, um, you know, applauding um, vociferously um, and and honoring um, how great a tenure he had in Denver. And I I think there's always, (laughs) we live in that society, right? There's always going to be people who are going to say, you know, boo, he didn't want to be here and, and, and find find reasons to to boo but i think overwhelmingly it's going to be a a positive uh response here here's something interesting fellas there have been eight players to play a thousand games or more in a rockies uniform we all know who they are you you know the elton walkers right benny castilla cargo do you know that of those eight six went somewhere else at some point. The only two that that never left, Helton, obviously, and the other one you're going to watch tonight. So far, yeah. Charlie Blackman. Charles, yeah. Right? Yeah. The other six all left. Tulowitzki, Castilla, Hall of Famer Larry Walker, for various reasons. Vinny came back. Vinny works for the club now. You know, Larry is going to be feted and have as he should and have his jersey retired later on this year. Tulo, I hope one day, you know, as he you know gets older and matures, and you know the organization's a little bit different, and, and you know, obviously he had you know a big issue with Jeff Breidich. Jeff no longer works for the Colorado Rockies. I hope at some point in time that that could be repaired because Tulo's a a huge part of the history yes. of the Rockies. Cargo, you know, has a, has a strong relationship still with the, with the club, even though he had to leave at some point. This is, as I described, when it went down in February or whenever, January, I don't even remember when the deal was. You guys know better than I do. Uh, it, was it disappointing? Yeah. What Do you wish they got a lot more back, at least in terms of name recognition? Absolutely. And I understand the anger and the vitriol and, and that, that exists to this day. And I'm sure there are people who won't go because they're they're so upset still that they've they've said, you know, I'm done with the organization right now. Um, but having having said all of those things, it's part of the business of sports. Very rarely does even the most iconic figures stay in one place, especially in the sport of baseball, which has always been very transient, more transient certainly than the NFL, um, and, and I would argue probably even more so than than the NBA and the NHL. Though there is, you know, tends to be more movement in those sports than the NFL. Yeah, the NBA has gotten a little bit wild in the last couple of years. Certainly before the last ten years in the NBA, it was. Yeah, and, and I'm not talking about your journeyman. I'm talking about your your star, star to superstar level yeah. player. You know, it's not like often they're playing for four or five different organizations. Does it happen? Yes, it does. But 
you know, baseball tends to be a, a little bit more transient. Those pictures that, that that have become memes or whatever, where you've got like Ken Griffey Jr. in his White Sox uniform, or uh, like uh, oh, who was the weird t- or uh, like Wade Boggs wearing Tampa Bay Rays? Tampa. Uh, what, what's the other like? Didn't Reggie Jackson play for a weird team at the end of his? A lot of these angels. Ones- yeah, yeah. There's yeah. And, and it's funny because so like cargo, like you were saying, Goody, you know, cargo he wasn't that old movie. when he moved on, right? It's, it was only his age thirty three year, and so you're like, all right, he played most of his career, only had you know that that final season uh, partially in Cleveland and and with with the Cubs, but you know, you're you're right. Like the, the, this is just kind of the way of the game, and it's still it's still raw, I think, for for some people, and that's why you you kind of understand those that. 90 10 80 20 whatever the the breakdown is going to be with fans that are cheering versus fans that are booing over time the the booze and that that negativity or whatever will just kind of go away and you go ah yeah that did stink you know uh, that was a bummer i would love to have him you know had him retire as a rocky or at least play out his contract maybe before moving on uh, but right now is is when it's it's still raw but you're you're right it, it's just part of the game it's part of the business that there is that that business aspect um and it's you know for the fans it's their team all right we, we fans say hey this is our team but it isn't necessarily our team for the players because they are they are their own business right and they have their own fan or their their own team right it's their family right and so it's it's so so much different but right now is it's it's still raw for people to kind of you know, understand all all of those moving pieces, as it were. Yeah, a hundred percent that it that it's raw, and and it will be you know probably for many f- for a while. But winning trumps everything, and if ultimately you know money is spent in in a fashion um, that maybe is dispersed over you know two, three, four players that help you win more games than you had been winning and get back to the postseason and have success in the postseason, stadium will be filled and, and people will embrace whoever those guys are, whatever the names are at that point in time. And, you know, certainly I, I also understand why, you know, people say, well, I have no trust in the people in the organization making those decisions and, 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 you know, producing new talent or, or paying for the right, you know, next generation of players or the next group of players. And, and they're certainly entitled to that. And the Rockies have made, you know, a number of mistakes in the front office. They've also done some good things, even though I think right now people are, are, are loath to, you know, mention those things, you know, Herman Marcus was a Tampa Bay Ray that turned out to be one hell of a, hell of a trade. One of the, you know, Best Rockies of the last, uh, in their history. DJ LeMayhew was a Chicago Cub, and, and Theo Epstein, who's going to go to the Hall of Fame, was running the Cubs when he traded DJ LeMayhew along with Tyler Colvin to the Rockies for two guys that never did a thing in, in, a, in a Cubs uniform. So you know, mixed in with things that you want back, there have been some you know good things done, and you know we'll see how it plays out certainly going forward. But winning trumps everything, man. We know that. We know that in athletics. Winning, winning makes you have a shorter memory as to the things that pissed you off, you know, yeah. two years prior. It's funny what I was going to say uh, before that your last sentence. 
but you kind of encompass all those words about winning trumps everything in athletics, because that's not true for the Oakland athletics. You know, you, you talked about the fans coming back to the ballpark and whatnot. And yet with a, the, the potential for a full capacity crowd, a team that is currently uh, the second wildcard team in the American league this week, they had less than 5,000 people come to the ballpark with right? no restrictions. Yes. They had yeah. 4,000 and change show up for a team that's battling for the, the AL West uh, again, second in the wild card and their fans aren't, aren't there and they're winning. And so you, you're right. You know, winning does Trump everything, but I think uh, more to my point, it's that, Colorado's got some some really solid baseball fans that even even when the Rockies maybe aren't going at their best uh, and maybe when they are have fallen on some hard times they still want to come to the ballpark they still want to see their Rockies and they still want to enjoy a, a a day out at the park at the beautiful Coors Field. I, I, I try to look at this, you know, objectively when we talk about you know Phoenix. I watched the Suns eliminate the Clippers last night and, wow. and the you know obligatory references to we have the greatest fans down in the valley and the Suns fans and haven't been in the NBA finals since you know Barkley was there in 93 so it's 28 years and you know every owner says it every you know star will say it to to kind of tip their cap to their to their fan base and we do know in this region there are great fans and we love sports and and the broncos have always been and and, and you know maybe for who knows how long or forever who knows uh, you know the number one draw of, of the sports teams in town but you know the avalanche have won cups the nuggets have certainly gotten better of late the rockies have had their their moments it is a great sports town it is a great sports town, um, but you know, there is St. Louis a better baseball town. It it is, I think. I, I mean, they're ravenous about the Cardinals. I think if the three of us showed up in, in a Cardinal uniform, there'd be forty something thousand people out there every night. But um, it, it's not to take a shot at, at, at where the Rockies are because it, it is it is a great fan base. It's an unbelievable venue. We live in a beautiful state. That all contributes to people's desire to go to the ballpark. Um, I don't know if you've ever been to the stadium in Oakland, which they've been trying to, you know, get rid of for years. Um, I would prefer to watch it on television. Now, the contrast is, you know, the city by the bay, the Giants were having, a, you know, an inexplicably great year and sustaining it. Mm -hmm. They turn out. And their ballpark um, is one where you say, hey, let's go. We're going to go watch a good team, and we're going to get to enjoy a wonderful ballpark. You, you don't have that same feeling uh, in Oakland, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, I want to close on this, Goody, because I had this thought, um, and then we got to let you get out of here. But I've always thought this about well, – well, I, I, I've never disagreed about those you know, great baseball cities and great traditions. I've always thought – that one of the things that I love about Rockies fans, and they're not the only ones who are like this, though, is that they don't have that safety net of, well, it was a tough year. We're going through a tough time now. That's okay. They'll turn it around and win a championship eventually. Why? Because they have. 
the Cardinals, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Cubs even, you know, they hadn't done it for a long time, but they had always been there. You felt like oh, they're going to get back to the postseason, whatever it may be. A young player like Brendan Rodgers, who you featured on your podcast this week, who a lot of people gave up on after 100 at-bats in Major League Baseball. And part of it isn't just Brendan Rodgers. It's this not necessarily, like you said, having faith that the Rockies can turn this guy into a star player. He needs to be this. He needs to be that. You don't have that safety net. So the Rockies fans who stood by Brendan Rodgers and, and symbolically through that, their team, through the tough times, through those first 100 at-bats where he looked like he just didn't belong. Now they're reaping the benefits so much harder watching him succeed out there. And it'll be the same the next time. The, the, the 30,000 that showed up to watch Harman almost get history, uh, you know, they're going to be there in a couple of years when the team is good again and say, I stuck through those hard times when people were saying there was no chance this play. And, and so while those other baseball traditions, I get it. I'm not arguing against it. I love that Rockies fans have that. They have to fight through so much more to say, you know what, I'm still through thick and thin going to be there. That's that's part of fandom, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it, I made this analogy with you guys several weeks back, or maybe it was a few months ago, maybe when we were talking about the Nolan thing. Um, we're growing up in New York, and, you know, Patrick's a Jersey kid. You know, I, I was a huge Mets fan, and watching uh, M. Donald Grant trade away Tom Seaver, the franchise, and, and the late Tom Seaver, um, just like John Elway, a hundred years from now, will still be the number one Bronco of all time. I, I you, you bet. I'll take that bet right now. Hundred years from now, people go, wait a sec. John Elway's the number one all-time Bronco. Babe Ruth's the number one all-time Yankee. Right? It's been a hundred years. Um, the number one all-time Met will be Tom Seaver, and they traded him away. Yeah. And I, it, anger. I mean, just right. But you, but you're a Mets fan, man. So you. All right, who's it, you know, and you, and you you ticked off and you and you hated seeing Seaver in a Reds uniform, but you wanted to see the the Mets do well. And I think the same thing tonight when yeah. we watch on television and hopefully we have a full house at, at at Coors Field and we have a you know, hopefully the weather holds out, we have a beautiful evening, but but you're going to watch and root for the purple, man. You're going to root for the Rockies because that's where we live, and that's our team, as flawed as it may be. As you may, you may not agree with how it's run. You may not agree with uh, many different aspects, but it's your team. It's our community's team, and you want to see it do well. And you've seen some great moments and some great years, and you will again. And this. This, you know, to real quick, I'm getting long with it as I do all the time. But Drew, you mentioned, you know, Brendan Rodgers. Um, in the first hundred at bats, not good, man. Not good. I don't remember him hitting the ball on the barrel. And now you go, wait a second. I'm starting to see what people were talking about. I'm starting to see why he was drafted third. I'll be the first to raise my hand. And I've said this on television. Jonathan Daza. I didn't know if there was enough in his bat. And I know his minor league numbers, but just looking at his approach and, you know, he said, I don't, I don't know if this plays out at the big league level. Same. Well, now you're kind of intrigued. The same thing for Rymel Tapia. Love how hard he played. Love his bat to ball skills. But you say, you know, maybe he's really on a good team. Maybe he's a fourth outfielder. Um, does that style play in 2021? 
Well, now you take a step back and go, you know what two of the most expi- exciting at-bats are? Two at-bats you really look forward to? When Spilly coined him, Swagger and Dagger. Because you know the ball's going to be in play. And there's a good chance they're going to find an opening somewhere. And the Rockies may produce some, you know, some offense. Yeah. So it's really easy to put a ceiling on guys or to make a snapshot judgment. And, you know, you guys know this game as well as anyone. It's it's tough to do that in this sport because it takes a while. For every Juan Soto who rolls up to the big leagues and, and seems to dominate from Jump Street, it's a process for most of the other guys that reach stardom. Um. Yeah, Rogers uh, looks looks set to break out, and he he almost said exactly that much when you interviewed him. It was so great hearing the ballpark in the background there, mm-hmm. you two guys in the dugout, and and hearing the music. You know, you're back in the ballpark is definitely one of my more favorite uh, episodes of of the podcast. And and like you said, how you have to persevere, and you don't want to put ceilings on guys. The one thing that Rogers said in the interview, and I won't won't spoil it, is just talking about all the advice that he got coming up there in Florida from, from Dante Bichette himself, you know, before he was even a Rocky player. Um, and even some advice he got from Derek Jeter, uh, not to mention uh, Roger's relationship with Trevor Story and Ryan McMahon, who's a guy that he was never a contemporary. McMahon was always a couple years older. So he talks about all of that. And he's definitely one to watch in the series as he continues to, to heat up a little bit this season. Yeah, he's um, watch watching him grow in front of your eyes can be, uh, you know, a, a wonderful pleasure for for a hardcore fan also, as opposed to just you know putting your arms around the guy who's o- already an established star. Um, yeah. wa- watching the evolution of a young player, and then not only the individual accomplishments, but then when they become part of team accomplishments, uh, that that's one of the great joys of of being a sports fan. Yeah. All right, we'll let you get out of here before wrapping up. Goody, we appreciate you as always. Of course, we'll be tuning in tonight. We'll be definitely tuning in as soon as this podcast is over. Everyone go and download the Drew Goodman podcast and all that good stuff. And, uh, yeah, drinking all the fun, interesting energy this weekend. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know you guys as well, and, and I always appreciate the time with you. I love uh, – I love uh, being a being a part of your show once a week. I really do. It's fun. It's something I look forward to. So, because um, uh, you guys, you, know, you engage in different topics, and, you, and I learn a lot from from listening to you guys. So, um, my hats off to you guys. I'll see you. I think I'll see you both this week, and I'll see you, Patrick, in in a little bit uh, for sure. I know Creasman's still trying to sell a house. So that's right. <laughs> They told me it was easy, man. They told me you're going to have 12 cash offers within a day. I did not. All right. It'll happen. I got my fingers crossed for you. Appreciate you. All right. All right. I'll see you guys. See you. All right. Do want to mention one last thing from our friends over at Hassle Cattle Company. Of course, you know, they got Wagyu beef that could change your life. It's absolutely delicious. They're not treating their cows with with antibiotics or hormones or any of that garbage that ends up in your body makes all stuff bad for them it's bad for the environment all this terrible crap that happens when you buy stuff from the grocery store no reason to do that get better beef that's better for you tastes better and oftentimes doesn't even cost as much 
it can be a lot cheaper when you take care, uh, advantage of the promo. So go to Hassel Cattle Company. It's H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. Use promo code DNVR10 to get 10% off. If you end up getting over 200 bucks, you'll get free shipping. Highly recommend it. Clear out the freezer space. Load up on ground beef, ground chuck, award-winning hamburgers, beef bacon, steaks that will blow a, a mind. Again, if you're a beef eater, and you're not getting your beef from Hassel Cattle Company, you're probably paying too much for stuff that's not as good. Bad business model. Go to H-A-S-S-E-L-L-CattleCompany.com. And again, that's promo code DMVR10 to get 10% off and free shipping on orders over 200 bucks. Get your get your stake in DraftKings Sportsbook to win a couple bucks and then get your literal stake from yeah. Hassel Cattle Company. I, I will say it's hilarious that my mother jumped into the comments to totally undercut my point, but she, she's right for the, uh, if, the other way, if you want to go judge baseball cities by how easy it is to find the game on TV anywhere and people talking baseball, that's why the, that's where you're going to find Denver much lower on the list. But that's one of the reasons why we created the DNVR bar in places like that. Cause it's, there's mutual responsibility here. Like someone has to help foster and create culture as well. And yes, Rockies could do a better job of that, but so could other local media. Well, whatever. We don't have, we we can't take control of what other people do. We can only take control of what we do. There's culture down at the DMVR bar and you never have to ask them to put the game on. Uh, I was ecstatic when I was in there last week and a bunch of people watching the Rockies play a day game, middle of the day in a bar that anywhere else in town would have been totally empty. And there's a solid crowd, a bunch of people hanging out, watching baseball, even though the team's not good. So yeah, sure. and we get then we get together on Discord and and we have conversations there. Not even just about uh, the Rockies, but but that's that's that spot where hey, if you can't get down to the bar, or if you're one of those folks that uh, are down uh, live in Albuquerque, we've we've got folks from uh, Europe even uh, that yeah. that are a member of our community, and so you can kind of rub elbows with those guys, get some interesting and different perspectives. We even talk about you know soccer and everything going on with the Euro. But you're you're right, is it's. We're doing everything we can at DNVR to kind of cultivate um, the next generation, in, in a sense, of of really good, not just baseball fans, but sports fans uh, in, in yeah. this market. Because yeah. we, we just need to have more options or just have yeah. an option. And yeah, the DNVR bar is an option and sometimes the only option. When, it, when you want to watch the Rockies right now. Yeah, Nuggets fans feel that too, having been a hardcore Nuggets yeah. fan there for a while, and I'm not as in, into it as I used to be, but it, it's been rough for them as well. And that same thing, like they have actual basketball culture in other places. And like, they're great, just like with the Rock, great basketball fans in Denver and great baseball fans. It's how is, where do they manifest that culture? So yeah, coming up. I wonder if... And, and maybe I, I certainly don't think this would be the total difference maker, but this idea of there's nowhere that you can uh, have a pregame tailgate for a Rockies game like that doesn't right. exist where it does in a lot of other cities, a lot of, a lot of older cities. And so yeah. you got to think, you know, man, that would be something. Then again, uh, I don't know that we could get enough people to get like a Kickstarter going and uh, or a GoFundMe. Like, hey, let's just buy a lot of land uh, near the right. stadium. We're not going to put anything on it. We're just going to leave it flat for people to put their grills yeah. and the park there. Uh, great concept, maybe, uh, as an idea, but it's even worse on paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, uh, too bad, because tailgating as a, as a concept. Those out there, obviously, in, in Milwaukee uh, for the NLDS. Oh, my God, so, yes. Yeah. yeah. It was, I was like, okay, this looks like a whole lot of fun. 
really know, but there's just, there isn't a spot, you know, as far as geography goes for in Lota. At least there's a bunch of cool bars there. It could be worse. It could be Chavez Ravine and there's nothing in the neighborhood. And maybe, and, and you know, it, it, it's somewhat recent, I think, uh, and maybe by recent, we're talking 10 years or so, um, that, you know, you can go down to Lodo at, at Coors Field and, and get that kind of tailgate, right? It's not, not the, the literal variety, but the, the same is true in, in Chicago. You go to a Cubs yeah. game, you know, if you're in Wrigleyville there, there's just the bars that are all around the stadium that are open at 10 a.m. where you can get a bra and a brick brew. Right. And it's like, okay, this is that, you know, pregame experience that you get excited for. And granted, you might not, might not make you more passionate because I don't, you know, Cubs fans are somewhat passionate, but it's, look, they don't call it the world's largest singles bar for nothing. People go there to have a good time, hang out, do all that stuff, uh, and that's fine. But, but again, it's more recent that you can go and say, yeah, I'm, I'm actually can, can spend the entire day, um, I can spend the entire day at Coors Field going to, to things right. in and around Lodo or going – uh, grabbing a, a burger, whatever it is, at the DNVR bar and, and places like that. So, you know, maybe this is just the start of it. Maybe, maybe that kind of baseball culture is really only just starting to begin a little bit with, you know, first generation fans that since they've been born, there's right. been a team. Whereas right. for people of a certain age, there wasn't always baseball around. Right. The Rockies it's were just, yeah, just it didn't exist yet. <laughs> they didn't exist. Or when they did exist, it was like, yeah, but I've got my allegiance already to the totally. Giants because, you know, they were a big powerhouse right. in the late 80s. Or, you know, I'm used to watching at Atlanta on, yeah. on TBS. And and so now, you know, maybe this is really – this generation, in a sense, can be the start of, of some kind of change in the culture uh, for the Rockies fandom and whatnot going forward. I think so. And I, I do see it growing and, and getting better and, and more and more – um, complete. And, and I think you're right that, and, and even starting to become a second generation thing now, because there's people my age, I don't have kids, but there's plenty of people my age who do. And, you know, I, I joined T-ball the year the Colorado Rockies became teams. Both my parents who love baseball their whole life. Yeah. They root for the Rockies, but they had their own teams. They have their other teams, the Royals and the A's or whoever dad rooted for on any given year. Yeah. very giants. <laughs> yeah. No, well. uh, so, but yeah, now you do, you, for, we're also in this, for the first time, like really right now in the last five or six years here, we're getting the second generation Colorado Rockies fans. And that's fun too. So we'll. It takes time. Yeah, yeah it takes time. We'll, we'll keep uh, cultivating that. Bring your second generation Rockies fan to the DNVR bar, but they can't have any Breck Bruce. They're, they're too young for that stuff. But it is a family friendly environment to eat and watch the game and hang out and Again, help us create that culture. That's what we're doing here. It's one of the biggest reasons why you should subscribe to the dnbr.com. Yes, you do get access to all the written content. You get to come hang out with us in the Discord channel, but really you just get to be a part of a family that whether it's good times or bad times are going through the same things as you and are there to hash it all out as a team together. So we appreciate all of you who are already members of the family. Do consider becoming one today at the dnbr.com. Make sure you're following us on social media at Patrick D. Lyons at Drew Creaseman, at DNVR underscore Rockies. And of course, just continue to be absolutely awesome baseball fans out there. We promise we'll keep being absolutely Patrick Lyons and Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark. 